The Roaring Riot podcast is back for our midsummer update. Join us as we discuss the big changes inside and outside of the team. We also talk about the newly expanding Hall of Honor, preseason dates, and offer our way too early season predictions. Finally, we will let you in on how you can score an all-expense-paid trip to see the Panthers play in London. Join us for this and more on the Roaring Riot podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the It Is What It Is podcast. The Doctor is in special edition. Second episode here with our good friend, Dr. Pat Connor, head team physician for the Carolina Panthers and uh, one of our friends here at Ortho Carolina. So, uh, Dr. Connor, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. My pleasure. So, uh, for those who Missed our last episode. We talked a little bit about your role with the Panthers at the Combine and how it goes into the draft. But if people didn't listen to that episode, first of all, if you didn't listen, press pause right now. Go back, download, listen. You're all cut up. But if you don't want to do that, Dr. Connor, can you just talk a little bit about how you kind of got from from being a a doctor in, in medical school to here with the Carolina Panthers, kind of your background. Well, my background, I'm from Oklahoma originally. I did my mm-hmm. training uh, uh, med school in Oklahoma and then did my orthopedic training here in Charlotte. Spent some time up in New York at Columbia and the Mayo Clinic, and then I've been back here in practice since uh, about 1997 when I uh, uh, picked up with the organization. The organization was a couple years old at that point, uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I was the assistant team physician for a few years and became the head team physician. So I'm, I'm, Getting into my 23rd year as a team physician of the, of the uh, organization. So, so you've seen it all, seen it all here guys. at, yeah, uh, right, yeah, right. Exactly. at Bank of America Stadium. We were, uh, we were talking about some of the old days before we started recording. But uh, you, how much has changed uh, over there at the building in the last 23 years? Goodness, a lot has changed, uh, uh, but but a lot a lot has stayed the same too. There's still the same passion, and everybody uh, goes to work. Uh, it, it's one of the places where people go to work with such an enthusiasm throughout the entire building, and, and I don't think that has changed, frankly. Uh, uh, the, the players are uh, uh, great, the coaches, everybody goes in with the same uh, uh, same focus. But uh, but a lot of change, of course. It's been you know, the organization is 25 years old now, so. Sure. Uh, uh, it's all good. From a medical standpoint, I'm sure that it's gone from, you know, uh, a small, like one x-ray machine to a huge, must have a huge facility there at the stadium now. Yeah, we do have, we do have a, a nice facility and, uh, uh, and Mr. Tepper's, uh, uh, in the process of, uh, creating a, a nicer facility as yeah. we know down in South Carolina. So we all look forward to that. But, uh, uh, but yeah, the, uh, uh, the medical team, the doctors, the athletic trainers, and the uh, hospital that we work real close, closely with, Atrium uh, Health, has been very responsive to uh, uh, answer the needs that we need to take care of the players' health and safety. Terrific. So uh, we talked a little bit about last time about your role at the Combine and how it used to be the Combine used to be just a, uh, a, t- a time for doctors and for teams to really get an in-depth look at the players. It used to not so much be about the 40-yard dash and the bench press and the high jump and more about health-wise uh, what a player was going to bring to the next level. The same thing this year. How was your experience at the combine this year, and then the draft, and uh, and you know, 
just kind of walk us through the past couple months for Dr. Cron. Well, the uh, uh, the combines were fine. They were they were great. Pretty typical, I would say, from a from a uh, medical standpoint, an orthopedic mm-hmm. standpoint. We uh, uh, the combine still is, the main focus is to get everybody evaluated uh, uh, medically and, and and orthopedically. But but uh, obviously the league and all the teams. Uh, have taken advantage of the fact that everybody's there centrally, so there's a lot of information yeah. they can meet them, have interviews, uh, and, and and check out some of their uh, uh, some of their abilities. But uh, we had over in the 350 players, roughly uh, had over a thousand MRIs that we reviewed on these players, wow. uh, hundreds and uh, hundreds of other studies. Uh, I don't even know how many X-rays. Uh, uh, well, more <laughs> many more X-rays than that. But uh, but evaluated all the players, created their reports, and uh, reported back to the organization they use that information as one tidbit of information yeah. in 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 the big uh uh evaluation which essentially is what takes the the science and turns it into art and then uh, yeah. came draft day there's a uh so was there anything surprising i know last time we had spoken a little bit about how you can reveal with these MRIs and the and the X-rays stuff that maybe the player wasn't even aware of that they were like, oh, I didn't even realize I had. Did anything like that happen? This yeah, year? we always have, and we did this year as well. We always have some instances where uh, somebody comes in, they think that they're doing well with something, and their X-ray may not look as good, or their exam may not be uh, quite as good, an ACL may not feel quite as stable, or a or a fracture that they got fixed a year or two ago may still have a little fracture line in there that that makes us worried that it might propagate into a real fracture once these uh, college players uh, step it up with the rigors of the uh, National Football League. So, but but nothing that stood out as a as a as a bizarre uh, experience really, but just uh, a kind of run of the mill for the combines. Yeah, and then you're in the in the draft room or in the are are you in the war room with the, with the GM and I know David. Mr. Tepper was there this year as well. Are you there, or are they just kind of like, are you on call? No, I'm there. Uh, okay. I, I'm there for the uh, uh, three days of the draft. My, <clears throat> the majority, that like 99% of what, of what our role is, we we'd already done uh, with right. reports and and spoken to them. But essentially, our role, uh, the head athletic trainer Ryan Vermillion and and uh, uh, myself and Nancy Gritter, who's the head medical doctor. Uh, we're there in case if if we're winding down close to a pick and they've got three players up there and one may have a knee issue, one may have a back issue, and one may have a shoulder issue, they uh, are interested in, relatively speaking, as one more of a concern than the other and, and, and right. how, how that from a medical standpoint. But then again, recognizing that that's one small sure. component sure. of it, but ju- just trying to get as much of that information as they can. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you, you mentioned RV, who... Uh, Panthers fans are very familiar with his name probably comes up more than anybody else on the entire staff uh, when does what is your interaction with Ryan Vermillion like maybe not on a day-to-day basis but it, it is a day-to-day deal almost okay. C- certainly once the uh, uh, once the season starts e- even in the off season, there are very few days that uh, that Ryan and I don't at least communicate you know we'll text mm-hmm. or email or uh, 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 speak either on the phone or in person but uh, uh the only way for a good uh, medical team to work is for the head athletic trainer and the head team physician to have a really close relationship. Uh, I know what he's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, we come kind of come at things a little bit of a different angle, but uh, uh, we've been together now for I think about 18 or 19 years since he since he uh, joined us, and uh, uh, it's really great to have that kind of symbiotic relationship to yeah. where. Uh, uh, we come at things a little bit different angle, but clearly we have the same goal, and that is to 
take care of the players and uh, uh, help out the players. And therefore, if the players are doing well, then therefore the organization's doing well. Have there been any, uh, have you guys had any big blow-ups over 18, 19 years, arguments where, where you've thought one thing. Yeah, of course. Another. Are you yeah. kidding? Of course we have. I, I wouldn't say blow-ups, but certainly certainly we've had disagreements and we've had uh, different perspectives. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and we're both we're both pretty uh, uh, strong-willed, but we're also both very respectful of the other and uh, respectful of the other's perspective. And, and uh, uh, things wash out. Things wash out. Sure. Uh, but... Uh, uh, but we we work really well together, and 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 uh, I think that's really important. Yeah, well, it's like if you don't care, then you don't have any sort of. If you're just like, I think you should have surgery, and he's like, Well, I think you should rehab, and you're like, Yeah, whatever, I don't care. Yeah, right. That's that's not being a good. That's not doing your right. job. I, I say oftentimes, if I if I didn't care, I wouldn't care. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah that's exactly right. <laughs> that's, a oh, that's a good saying. Yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah. That's uh, I might I might use that in my. Uh, we may just cut that out. Of there the you podcast. go. There I'll you just go. Put that yeah, in my yeah. vernacular. So, uh, just that that topic in general rest rest and rehab for for an NFL player there's so much that goes into making that transition from healthy to kind of hurt to I'm going to sit out a couple weeks to I'm I need surgery and and you're there for all of those and and Ryan Vermillion is there for all those and and the coaches and the families of the players are there for all those what kind of goes into that meeting when you have to sit down with a player and say hey listen I'm ready to recommend that you have uh, knee surgery or, or, you know, you, you can't play with a broken pinky. You need to, you need to have it fixed. Well, it's a very uh, uh, injury by injury and patient by patient and player by player and position by position, very specific issues that we consider with all of them. But in general, uh, uh, we assess the injury and the player. And the most important thing is, uh, is it safe? Is it safe for a player to continue to play through something and maybe wear a brace or wear a harness or uh, uh, wrap it up or get some extra tape on an ankle or whatever? Is that safe and us take care of it later? Or maybe it's safe for them to play and, yeah, it might be sore for a few more weeks, but they're not going to have any long-term problems with it. Uh, As opposed to predisposing them to further injury or maybe taking an injury that is a non-surgical problem if they continue to play uh, through it, then all of a sudden it's a surgical problem. So we, we hmm. so so that the player's safety uh, uh, relative to that particular injury is probably the number one uh, uh, consideration. Yeah. yeah, and I would imagine that more goes into it than than anything else because what what you say is has to stand up to the uh, the scrutiny of not only just the player. So if you tell me that I have to have pinky surgery then I'm probably just going to have pinky surgery. But if you tell an NFL player, if you tell uh, Luke Keekley that he has to have uh, pinky surgery and he's going to be out for four weeks, he's probably going to talk to somebody else. And not only that, you've got people on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram that are going to be like, well, his pinky looks fine to me, so I think he's going to be okay. Your your diagnosis has to stand up to that much extra scrutiny. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that there's much uh, dialing into social media, but there definitely <laughs> there, there definitely is uh, uh, the whole concept of, of uh, uh, having, having uh, recommendations that are pretty uh, mainstream that will stand up to the scrutiny of, say, second opinions. For instance, if a player, and, and it used to just be for surgeries, uh, to where players would get second opinions for surgeries, but now sometimes they'll get they'll get second opinions for 
hamstring strains and how long they've stayed out or high ankle sprains or, or et cetera. But, uh, uh, but if, if I see a player who's torn their ACL and, uh, and it, 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 it's a, obvious that they need a uh, ACL reconstruction, get back for the next season, I'll sit down and talk to them, talk to them about their injury uh, and the outlook and the prognosis and the plan. And then uh, Ryan and I will say, okay, you know, that's our information. Do you have any questions? And how can we help facilitate a second opinion for you? And we actually help help arrange them. We'll send the MRIs to to a, a different physicians that they or their agents want to do. And so, so by the time somebody's going into an operating room, uh, that's the, the recommendation is almost a consensus recommendation because uh, there have been other people that chimed in. And if if there's any issues, then then people are going to pull back and say, let's look at it closer. Sure, because it's it's a lot more uh, important is not the right word for it, but there's so much more that goes into uh, an NFL player surgery than my pinky surgery. My pinky surgery, I might have to wear a a splint for a few weeks, but if I'm, it might cost me millions of dollars on my next contract. Not me, again, NFL player, hypothetical. So I, I think that that's such a fascinating idea. Have you had players that have kind of come back at you and been like, you know what, I don't. You you say I want an AC. You should have ACL surgery, and they're like, "No, I'm fine. I can play." Yeah, it's it's pretty unusual in that in that uh, uh, in that setting. If somebody's torn their ACL, they really can't play. Sure. They really don't have the ability to play. We've we've had we've had some players that have had uh, some uh, knee sprains of different types. That uh, depending on the t- you know going into the playoffs or d- different scenarios, whether wear a brace and and and. Uh, whether or not functionally they're able to do it to the level that they need to to perform is a different question that they answer upstairs. But uh, uh, but from a medical standpoint, the key with it is that it's safe. And uh, you know, if you got an ankle sprain and you're you're working through it, yeah, it might be sore and your ankle might be swollen, but you're not going to cause any further damage. Uh, but if it's uh, even even for a hamstring strain. If uh, if somebody strains their hamstring and they want to get back and play on the next Sunday and they're still tender and they're still giving into it a little bit at practice and they're only running about 70%, then they could go out and play on Sunday and re-tear it and be out another three or four weeks. And so so that's that's when we need to step up and say, look, let's hold back. Let's hold off for another week or so and get you back to 100%. Well, it's almost like the team – the team training staff and team physician can almost be looked at as a as a bad guy. I think in uh, in in the fans' world and on social media, they can look and say, "Hey, like he looks okay out there," and all of a sudden he's he can't play on Sunday, and that's not what I want to see. So I think there's uh, there's a little bit of that, and it, it can kind of get a little bit dangerous, right? With players that are like, "I I want to get out there and play, even if it does, even if it is going to affect my hamstring going down the road, or if it's going to force surgery later." It feels to me like a little bit that they because they're forcing their way, things are so important for them to be out on the field. Uh, it can be dangerous to get into that, that next injury. Yeah. It, it depends on your perspective. You, you could say the bad guy, but, but if you look at it as, uh, as we're there for the player and to try to help the player, then, uh, then we're the good guy. Cause we're trying to, sure, you know, we're sure. trying to, uh, help them out. I will say that, uh, that decision is a lot easier if it's not game day. Mm-hmm. A game day decision is a decision that's really difficult for players because, the adrenaline's uh, rolling and the sweat is pouring off their, their uh, brow and they want to get back in the game. And so game day decisions, uh, uh, typically it's a little bit more authoritative, meaning uh, Ryan and I will uh, assess an injury and say, you know, 
you're just not going to be able to get back out. Let's get some ice on it. And sometimes players will say, no, I can do it. I can do it. And just, and, it, and it's just, trust me, you know, we're, we're here yeah. for you and for your, for your safety. Uh, injuries and discussions uh, uh, during the week. Uh, those are the ones where players uh, uh, dial in more with their opinions and kind of how they feel. And uh, it's a little bit more of a, of a time to be objective and kind of have a collaborative group discussion. Uh, yeah. But it seems to be a little different versus game day. And how involved are you? Obviously, you know, you do you do the surgeries for almost every player when they do have a surgery. How involved are you in like the rehab process? Is that mostly just the training staff or are you you involved on a daily basis for that? Not well? a daily basis. Uh, but again, that that. Uh, uh, speaks to the communication between Ryan and me. One thing that uh, uh, Ryan and his staff do that I, I, uh, I'm not sure that all the other staffs do in the league is is whenever I do a surgery, they're in the operating room with me. Really, and they watch the surgery and they're they're they don't scrub in or they're not doing the surgery, but they're they're observing it. They're in the operating room observing it, so they can see exactly what's done. They have that perspective. We're talking about how this finding here may. Uh, influence the first four weeks of rehab or how this might uh, uh, be managed from a rehab standpoint. So they have a very uh, thorough and very unique perspective uh, to take over the uh, therapy, which is really great. And, and they're, they're very good, very experienced. And, and that and us working together, it, it works out well. That's fascinating. So it must be... It- it, with such a such a large endeavor like an NFL team or or a, a baseball team or a basketball team any, any of these kind of large scale environments it, the communication and the the go between between the team physician and the training staff and and even the the assistant trainers and the everybody that's kind of on staff on game day has to be so in sync that having an advantage like yourself and an RV being together for 18, 19 years, that, that has a, almost like an advantage over other staffs that are just getting together right oh, now. Oh, yeah, no question about it. And, and, and not only just the sheer number of years and working together, but the experiences through those years. And so we'll see an injury and go, oh, yeah, this is exactly like so-and-so's injury eight years ago or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, 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 uh, and there's no book to pull out to say this hamstring strain is going to miss three weeks or this hamstring is going to miss five weeks or this high ankle sprain is going to miss however much time. And so, so really experience is, is, uh, is what we fall back on. And, and having had that experience together uh, is really helpful. I think the idea that, that the training staff is in the, in the room while you're having, in the theater while you're doing surgery, it, it is one of those common sense things that makes a ton of sense once you've already heard it. Like I would have never thought that before but of course they would be there so that way you can say hey look here's some uh scar tissue or here's this i had to move this around we thought it was going to be this um i don't know do you use move this around a lot not a ton not a ton but uh that was that was very professorial of you that was very good (laughs) uh but no they they get that perspective that only you can get i mean we could take videos we can take pictures but uh uh, but being there provides a uh perspective that uh, really helps in the rehab yeah, uh, I can I, I can only imagine. I, I think that 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 kind of that talk from rehab to surgery, I think, has got to be such an interesting um, and almost like a hard conversation to have where you're like, we have to you ha- you need to be shut down and you do have to be a little bit of that authoritative um, on the sidelines with guys that are. I would imagine much larger than you are. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I, I think all the players and you know, we get to know the players really well sure, over the course sure. of. Uh, the off season, these mini camps we just had during training camp, you know, I'll be down there. Uh, 
and so there's a relationship there. Obviously, there's a very close relationship with Ryan, and and uh, uh, and we're around there as well. And so when they they see us on game day, that's not the first time they've seen us. Yeah. And so yeah, so that relationship helps, I think. Yeah, whenever we do, um, whenever we do interviews with the guys and we talk to them about, uh, we say, you know, we're the right network powered by Ortho Carolina. They're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Cotter. I, it, it, some of them are excited. Some of them are, are less excited. But yeah, Kevon Seymour was like, oh, Dr. He like pointed oh, immediately yeah. to both <laughs> of great. his shoulders. Um, so you mentioned training camp. So are you are you down in Spartanburg on a daily basis? Uh, Durham Weeks, who is my uh, uh, assistant who helps helps me on the orthopedic side, he and I go down there about every other day. Okay. Okay. Uh, it works out to be sometimes I'll go three or four days in a row and vice versa, but uh, but one of us is down there every day. Do you think that, that practicing in those extreme elements, is that kind of going the way of the dodo bird in the NFL? Because there, I don't know, it seems like most – most teams are either building a facility or they're kind of they're trying to avoid all of this stress that practicing in 120 degree weather is putting on the players. Yeah, well, it, as I as I'm guessing any coach would tell you, there is a fine line between uh, not having injuries, not having heat illness, uh, uh, not having hamstring strains, not having right. setbacks, uh, not draining guys, having to lose a bunch of weight, lose a bunch of muscle mass, et cetera, versus getting them ready to play a, an NFL football game the first Sunday after Labor Day. Yeah. And so, and so uh, I think that that perfect balance uh, and that perfect recipe is still out there. Uh, again, more art than science. But uh, uh, but clearly, I think the, the, the coaches and I think the players as well want to be in tip-top shape come day one. Sure. Uh, they don't want to be having hamstring strains and injuries the first couple uh, days of, or first couple games of the season. Uh, but on the other hand, one year, many moons ago, I can't remember exactly the year, we had like 11 patients on IR before our first game, yeah. uh, or players, I should say. And so uh, we don't want that either. You don't want we, we don't want to have injuries or uh, uh, major setbacks in camp. So so there's definitely that uh, walk in the fine line. Sure. Even last year, I think it was three out of the top four tackles went down in the first five days of training camp. And it's like, obviously, that's more on the football side than the than the health side, but those kind of things, when th- when they happen, they can devastate a football team. You know, so much of the NFL is is luck more than anything, not more than anything else, but so much of it is staying healthy and being able to not only stay healthy but be ready for be at your peak physical condition on Sunday. Right. right. And and what we what we try to do is is uh, we try to provide as much information to try to uh, take that art and turn it into science and take that yeah. luck and, and maybe uh, uh, make it a little bit less uh, uh, random. Uh, you know, we know that the, the number one injury associated with lost time in the National Football League are ACL tears, which you would expect because they missed the whole season. But the number two injury are hamstring strains. Really? And, and it's because there's so many of them. And hmm. there's so many of them that miss, you know, so many weeks. And so if there's a way that we could uh, make sure the players are really hydrated, you know, try to try – to, uh, work on the relative strength speed ratios and and, and some of those things uh, to try to prevent hamstring strains. And we could really put a dent in the amount of time that they're not out on the field, which I know is their goal and everybody's goal. So, so uh, uh, it's a, it's a work in progress. And that's one of the things that is, that is so hard to, uh, to quantify is that hamstring strain for one guy is completely different than a hamstring strain for another. So, you know, you see somebody who, well, he strained his hamstring on Sunday and then 
the next week he's back out there and then another one misses three weeks. It can be, I, I think for, for a fan seeing that week after week can be frustrating. Right, right. But, some even need surgery. Some hamstrings are complete ruptures off of the bony attachments that have to have surgery. So there's a really wide spectrum of, oh, yeah. of injury oh, yeah. that we have to work through. Yeah, no, I, I can imagine. Do you think that um, the, the kind of the, the growth of analytics in the NFL has changed or, or can help the, the physician side or the, the health side of, of football? I think a lot of it is they think of the X's and O's on, on the field. But I think you mentioned, you know, making sure that they're the most hydrated or how you can go forward. Do you think that those advances can help? Yeah, absolutely I do. And and uh, uh, those analytics have, have spilt into the uh, player health and safety uh, arena as well. You know, we sure. – uh, uh, whether it's the evaluation of concussions and uh, uh, all the data that we've we've created over the course of the last uh, 20 years or so, and that data is used to change protocols and to kind of morph uh, uh, the way that, that we do things uh, uh, to things like hamstring strains or uh, uh, another good example are uh, cleats and uh, the length of the cleats and the size of the cleat and the interaction between the cleat and the turf and how much grab there is and how that influences the stress in the midfoot and the ankle and the knee and uh, uh, whether or not there's a higher risk of injury in turf versus grass and how that is relative to the foot turf interaction is it's really there's really a lot more science into it a lot more data uh, analysis than, than one might imagine but uh, there are things that are all on the on the uh, to-do list if you will and things that I, we've been working on i bet, I bet. things that they can always get better yeah, right, right. I mean, they're you see the guys that are they come off the field now with the and they have the packs on their on their neck that's measuring their heartbeat and and where they're moving and then they wear the an undershirt that has another sensor in it it's it's insane how much uh tracking goes into what these players do with their body on the field right right and data is is data you know so, so mm-hmm. it's not it's not everything but uh, uh certainly getting as much information we can and then trying to put that in the big picture perspective uh, I think it's important, and I think we're we're getting more and more information. Yeah, yeah, because I I, I think that honestly, I think that things like like this interview, not to toot our own horns, but I think that you know when the the deeper you can get into what what goes into treating these players and how to do their best, as opposed to just well, uh, team doctor said in ACL tear, and that's it. And I think that you you and RV and the rest of the team have so much on your plate and so so much empathy and trying to make these players the best that they can be and looking out for their health and safety and that's what i think is is hard to get across sometimes that you guys are not the bad guys you are the the good guys, the good guys. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 i mean if if uh if we had every single player wear tennis shoes then there would be many many fewer high ankle sprains Liz frank injuries in the midfoot ankle fractures etc but that yeah. would adversely affect their performance big time, right? And so mm-hmm. we try to find the relative balance between performance and safety. Um, you know, same thing, same thing with helmets. You know, there's been a ton of research on helmets, and some helmets have actually been uh, uh, players have been discouraged to use because they're not as safe in some of our testing as others. So, so yeah. uh, it's a it's a it's a balancing yeah. act more than anything yeah, else right. because it's it's not just keeping them safe; it's keeping them safe so that they can do the best of their at their job and that's that's the same for uh for their rest and their rehab versus when they flip over to you got to sit out a couple weeks and 
uh, and and whether you're do you try to do you tend to err on the side of caution or do you kind of like do you just present this info to them and say you guys not you make the decision but do, are you kind of are you leaning towards the health aspect or on the football side does that make yeah sense? yeah it's a good question yeah. and and the answer is is that I uh, always uh, my my perspective is always to provide the player the recommendation that's best for him. Uh, I was once told when I first started this that if I if I provide a recommendation to a player that's in the player's best interest, ultimately that will be in the team's best interest. It may not be in the team's best interest on Sunday or maybe not yeah. even the next Sunday. But uh, uh, but if if I and we as a as a medical team do what's right for the players then ultimately that's gonna be that's gonna be best for the organization. And so that's uh uh, that's that's what I do now. Having said that, sometimes the most conservative thing to do is to be aggressive. For instance, uh, 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 if someone would uh, break their arm, for instance, uh, a conservative thing to do in that setting would be to put it in a cast and let it heal for, you know, uh, three months and everything would be fine, right? Yeah. But but we've learned through our experiences that if we take that in the operating room and put a plate on it and fix it, uh, then they're moving their hand and wrist and, and, and uh, muscles within days and then come back and play safely without yeah. increased risk of re-injury in six, six or eight weeks rather than four months. And so so uh, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean conservative doesn't necessarily mean go sit on a, on a, uh, uh, in a chair, but uh, it's, it's to do the right thing for the player. Yeah, or sometimes if you're an insane person, you can come back and play in two weeks in the Super Bowl and uh, and have your arm uh, sewn up like a like a meat. Yeah, puppet. Like, yeah, like a football, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, un- unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, the the um, the amount of the amount of uh, communication that you must have to have between you and RV and the rest of the staff and and analytic and trainers too, or not trainers, uh, equipment managers. You mentioned the cleats and that kind of stuff. It's it's a uh, it's a a very a, a lot of cells in that organization or in that organism. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's and it's uh, it's great to have the blessing of of the brass, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. our owner, our head coach, our general manager, because they know they know that we uh, work together closely. We've got good experience, right. and uh, uh, having their blessing and their trust is really important because if we if if uh, uh, if we were providing recommendations and and some someone was. Uh, not not supportive of it that would be difficult yeah yeah well it's a fine it's a fine balance right because you don't work for the team but you kind of work for you know like you work so closely with the team that you you do you have to do what's best for the player but there you don't want to be the um the guy on uh that movie any given sunday that was yeah, the one yeah, I was thinking yeah. Well, that, of. yeah you don't want to be that right, guy right that that provided some uh uh, uh, uh some uh, stereotypes but but the uh uh, as as I said, I, the, the organization understands that if we do the right thing for the players, that uh, that it, it's ultimately going to be the right thing for the for the organization. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Pat Connor, thank you so much for joining us uh, for another edition of the Doctor Is In on It Is What It Is. We'll see you down at training camp. We'll-